Hi, everyone. This is Too Young to Be Old podcast with me, your host, Diane Gilman. Each week, my guests and I will share insights, advice, and more than a few laughs to empower and inspire women over the age of 50 who really need to embrace the aging process. We want to encourage you to pursue your passions and dreams no matter what decade you're living. Too Young to Be Old podcast is intended to educate, empower, and foster connection with our community. Please note that this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or care. So with that said, let's settle in, get comfortable, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Diane Gilman, and this is Too Young to Be Old podcast. You might know me as the queen of jeans, but what you probably don't know about me is along with my best friend of 44 years, Patty Rock, we were the bad girls of the 80s. And guess what? It's my birthday week. I'm about to be 78. We are going to take a stroll down memory lane. And I want to introduce to you an amazing woman, Patty Rock. And yes, that is actually her name. And she married what they term in the art world as the man who brought the 70s to life, the fabulous rock and roll photographer, Mick Rock, personal photographer to David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust, to Queen and Freddie Mercury, and that famous album, Bohemian Rhapsody, with four iconic shadowed faces, and Ozzy Osbourne, and Blondie, and on and on, and we don't have enough of a lifetime left to name all of the people he rocked out on. But Patty, so thrilled to have you on this podcast. And would you not agree we were really bad girls? We were bad girls. We were very good bad girls. But Good bad yeah, girls. But and, first, right. I just want to say, and, happy birthday, darling. Oh, thank you. You know what? You get to a certain age, and I think this year really exemplifies it, where you stop bitching and saying, oh, I'm so depressed, I'm getting a year older. And you say, thank God I'm still yeah. here. That's how I feel about turning 78. And yet, you know, our days, uh, nights together at Studio 54 actually seem like yesterday. So I'm going to say to the audience, if you wish you had been born into softer times or more naive times or more easy to access fun times, then come along on our journey with us. Because you know what I always remember, Patty? And then we'll like just get into how we met. I always remember at 2 a.m., the sickle moon with the big spoon, the man in the moon with the big spoon would come down very often. It was Steve Rubell at studio and there would be sparkle dust raining down all over us. And it would be Donna summer last dance. And we would be whirling and twirling around the, um, 
the dance floor in in dresses that me we may have just invented yes. that yeah, night definitely <laughs> before we went out. So I'm going to ask you because Patty has the much better memory than me. My earpod just fell out. Um, how did we meet? You you mentioned to me we met in an elevator in 1979. Yes, we met. Uh, I was a designer for a top company. We worked in this cute little gorgeous building on 40th and 6th. And I met you. You were a designer. I didn't know at the time. Yeah. But at the top floor was a, a pretty nice fabric company. And you were obviously going to an appointment. I was going to work. And you were, you're a striking oh. woman, you know, you're tall, you had red hair at the time. And like, I think you, you probably had on four inch heels and, um, Sounds like you me. know, I, and where, where was the person between us? Boris, yeah. Boris, the Russian ballet dancer who was trying his hardest to hold down a job, but not doing a very good job of that, I must right. say. Was he in the elevator with he us? He was in the elevator. And that was the real first connection between us. Besides the fact that we were designers, we happened to share a boyfriend. And <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, and boy, did he regret that in the end. But, go but ahead. you know, Boris was, at the time, he was another striking, beautiful man. Leah. Gorgeous. Leo. 6'4". Yeah. Uh, yeah, like he had the blonde hair. He was intense. The body. He had a body. The body. <laughs> Whoa. And, uh, but he was batshit crazy. Totally. And, and I only remember that we were waiting in uh, the waiting room lobby of the fabric company because we both had an appointment for some reason at the same time. And I turned to you and you were so gorgeous that you were slightly scary. And I said, oh, you know, he asked me out. Uh, do you mind? And you looked at me and said, take him. He's yours. And that bonded yeah. us into this friendship yes. that was unbelievable. And um, then I remember that we all knew the head of this fabric studio. And um, for me, it was, I, I was really trying to break in in a big yeah. way to the fashion community. And it was very tough. I felt like I just kept hitting brick walls. And one day, a guy named Ron said, and he loved Boris. He was actually Boris's boss. He said, do you all want to go to um, Studio 54? And I thought, oh. <gasps> My brain was ready to implode. Yeah. Could we actually get in? Yeah. And then, you know, you would go home from work at six o'clock at night. You would sleep, take a three hour nap, get up at nine or 10, try and figure out what you were going to wear. I remember one time 
I went to Woolworths when there was still, you know, one penny merchandise. And I bought a whole series of scarves, like little polyester printed scarves. And I pinned them all coming down from a tank top and whirling around on the dance floor. But talk to me about the days of the white Rolls Royce. That was so outrageous. You know, it's interesting because for for whatever, you know, you could say about Ron, he was able to get us into Studio 54. Whether, every time. Every time. Yeah. And, you know, I was a little nothing. I was a friend of his lover, Tim. And ah. so that's how I got into the group. And it was Ron, Boris, you, me, and Tim. And we would a little group yeah. get in. And it was yeah. pretty oh. amazing. You know, I thought the most amazing thing was every time. Now, you have to understand, audience, that Studio 54 was, there's no comparison to today at all. People were hysterical to get yeah. in and the street was overtaken with a crowd of maybe a thousand people who were all going, get me in, get me in. We would, Ron would drive up over the sidewalk in the white Rolls Royce. He would like just park it on the sidewalk, catty corner to the front door of the studio. And we would get out like, la-di-da, like it's nothing at all. We always go here. And I remember the first time, and I said to Patty, before we went into this recording, I'm going to tell you something I have never forgiven you for, for 44 years. So you ready for this? Ready. That first time when we got into studio, I said... Oh, excuse me, I have to go to the ladies' room. Patty, come with me. And you said, no, no, I want to go dance. And you left me alone, and I went into what was supposed to be the ladies' room, <laughs> and it was all guys. And then I said, oh, excuse me, I must be in the wrong oh, my. place. And I went into the men's room, and it was all guys, and I thought, where is my friend? I need support here. Oh. <laughs> that was so, so confusing. Yeah. So there we were, the Russian ballet dancer, me, you, Ron, and Tim. And talk to me about my impressions of Studio 54. It was everything you came to New York for. Yes. You know, you were born here. I came, I made the pilgrimage from L.A. But what was your impression of Studio 54, especially that first night? I even remember what I was wearing. Well, the interesting thing, well, Studio 54, I feel, on its own, was, you know, if you were alive at that time, you had to experience it. And that, yeah. that was just it. It. But the great thing, as you know, at that time, there were so many great clubs in the city. Weren't there? And so yeah. you would go and, to the studio, 
And then we'd all go downtown to the mud club. Total different yeah. world. Fabulous. Totally. And it was, it was really, it was uh, gays, fashion, downtown, rock and roll, punks. And it was, Artists, yeah. everything. Yeah. That's right. And so you met Mick a year later in 1980, and his career could not have been hotter at the time. I mean, wow, the dedicated, he was like the dedicated photographer for the Rocky Horror Show, no joke. And David Bowie, and Mick Jagger, and Keith Richards, and oh my God. And you met him at a club that I never went to, but wished I had. You went to the Peppermint Lounge. How cool was it that? It was nice, you know, but again, at that time, we were, we were loaded with great clubs. You know, whether it was yeah. uh, Haraz or the Mud Club or Danceteria. I mean, it just. Danceteria. And the Ritz, Jerry Brandt's too. Ritz. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I remember, and am I right, you attended the comeback performance of Tina Turner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was so envious. I had to fly to Europe or something the next day for work. And I felt like in a way you got to do all the great stuff and I and I got to experience it through through you. So I remember when is my memory correct? So I'm sleeping. It's about 1 a.m. in the morning. The phone rings, you know, the first thing you think is oh my god, disaster. And it was you saying I met this guy <laughs> I need to come over and take your favorite dress <laughs> and get back to that club. But is my memory pretty correct there? Because I don't remember the dress you got, but I do remember I lived in this gigantic kind of unfurnished loft in Soho. And you had to go up like 8,000 stairs like climbing an Egyptian pyramid. And that is when you first met Mick, right? It was... I first met Mick actually at Danceteria and I had bought uh, Danceteria was so, so very great. cool. And I was with a, uh, a client from LA and they wanted to go out. So I brought oh my God. to Danceteria. <laughs> of course they had to leave like by midnight. And um, so I was just hanging around a little bit and I saw this uh, gentleman I hadn't seen for many years who I liked at a time. And he was um, the producer of the Andrea True Connection, More, More, More. Remember that song? Yeah. So this very dear friend of mine, I see him in the club. I'm like, Greg, you know, how are you? And we're talking. He goes, wait here. My I'm waiting for my photographer. So Mick oh, comes God. along and I, I've known his name because I've always loved album art and, you know, Mick Rock. You're like, hmm, who's that? 
So I knew who he was. I met him then. And you know how when you meet people, you start seeing them like all the time? So we we were obviously in the same circle. I met him again. I met him again. And then, then we were really dating. I don't even know what you call it. It wasn't dating. It was like. Okay. So dating. Yeah. Dating. I call Bumblebee Girl truly an official date. Yeah. So everyone in the audience is thinking, Bumblebee Girl, what is that? You know what? That just blew me away. Tell me how, tell, okay, so Bumblebee Girl was a date with Mick Rock, which probably started at about midnight and went on until about 7 a.m. when the sun came up. And did he just wow you and take you back to his photography studio and dress you up in that incredible sequin bumblebee costume? Tell me how that Well, that was us collaborating together. And you know what? There's one thing Mick taught me, and he could make things out of nothing. And... Uh-huh. And he would say to me, let's do a photo shoot. And I would be like, oh, oh, I want to I wanna wear like something fabulous. And I wanted this and I want that. And he's like, no, 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 no. Bumblebee happened. Uh, he wanted to do a Valentine's card. And so we were going to dress uh-huh. me up as a bumblebee. So with a piece of yellow fake fur and black electrical tape and a hat and a literal a literal clothes hanger and glittery fabric and we made a bumblebee and it was just and you were so glamorous who did the makeup i probably did the makeup i definitely at that time wow well and it became uh uh it became a legitimate card. What year was that? Nineteen eighty one or 82, still 1980? maybe eighty two, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're gonna tell a memory that is uh, there's a couple of memories, and this is our Fire Island oh, period. Okay. So our oh, that was so bad. Which connects so, again to Ron um, which connects again to Ron. Ron, because Ron, the white Rolls Royce guy of Studio 54, had got a gorgeous summer home in Fire Island, which was really for gay guys. But if you were a very cool girl, you could hang out with all these gay guys. So um, we're there, and the home is gorgeous. And I think we were going to stay for a few days, a week, something. We're sitting by the pool in the morning. This is my recollection. Now, I'm only going to tell the story because pot is now legal in New York. Uh, and he comes out with, I thought, oh, how nice. Ron baked like coffee cake for us for breakfast. And he's saying, here, have a piece. Here, have a piece. Oh, you like it? Have another piece. And I said, it's really delicious. What is the crunch? And he said, oh, I bought about a pot, pounded pot. It wasn't very good. Yes. So I just decided to put it all into this coffee cake. Oh, 
my God. Then he sent us off to the market to buy food for dinner. And I remember we were in a line and everybody was like looking at us and throwing their eyes up in the air. We couldn't even count out like 30 cents in change. I had to give my wallet to the checkout girl and say, you just count out the money. And then they, how did we ever get back? We walked back. To the summer home. I remember us going along along the beach. And as we were getting closer and closer to the house, (laughs) there's this huge commotion because there was this Italian guy who held himself to the brownies and he was losing his mind. And I I think, yeah. yeah, And and someone ran up to us and they were like, oh, oh, don't come yet. (laughs) Like go around or something like that. I remember Ron came up and said, we said, we don't feel very well. We we've got to go up to our bedroom, and he said, "Well, um, maybe that's not such a good idea right now because um, Bernardo has had sort of a psychic break and is taking a giant butcher knife and carving all the furniture." Then didn't they had they had to get like a medevac helicopter in and helicopter him out. I don't remember that, but I do remember you and I, I went to bed. Like we were like, we're done. We crawl. Let's, let's face it. <clears throat> we crawled yeah, up all right, the stairs. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't walk. We crawled up the stairs. And then, and this is why I can forgive you for the studio 54 ladies room men's room debacle because i said to you we haven't eaten all day it's already like four o'clock we are we were having this was like alice yes in the looking glass the room would get bigger and then it would get smaller and then it would vibrate and i said we need to put food in our stomachs and you said how and i said (laughs) Oh, well, you're going to go to the kitchen <laughs> and get some food. And you said, I can't walk. And I said, you're eight years younger than me. You're, you've got to go. <laughs> that was, I don't think I ever forgave Ron for that. I swear. That was like, oh my God. And you know what? I never ate another brownie or any kind of ingestible with weed in same, it again. Same. Yeah, really? Yeah. That was, now, during our Fire Island days, I will never forget, and you were, I want to say Patty is still gorgeous at 69, but back in the day, Patty was so beautiful that you could be a friend, but you could only be a friend if you accepted the fact that God had given her more than you had gotten in that particular area. So we were at what's called tea time. Remember that? And there were like a thousand guys dancing and there was a huge swimming pool with a, a high diving board. Patty is in a little bikini bottom, walks, climbs up, 
poses, poises herself on the diving board in the middle of a million gay guys and incredible music. And you did this beautiful high dive into the pool. And every one of those guys was screaming for you. Bravo! Bravo! Nobody knew you. But everybody recognized how extraordinary you were. And you know what? I never asked you, how did that feel? You know, it was, uh, it's funny because it felt very safe in those days, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. Um, all of us, I mean, come on, you know, we, we all had our talents, we all had our beauties, whatever, whether it was long legs or this or eyes or and we were surrounded by beautiful men. Uh, it, 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 yeah. We were at the beach. I mean, what could be wrong, you know? And and it was just a nice little time in life. Oh, my God. But with all those people applauding you, and I do want to say that, you know, some of those people were like Calvin Klein was there. There were a million gorgeous and successful guys and you were just in the middle of it. And, you know, I stood by and they were all clapping and screaming for you. And you just had, you know, you had a balance of beauty and goodness inside of you. And that goodness came through. And it was like sort of this fantastic untouched, unsullied pureness to you that I think has carried you all the way through life. And, you know, I I do want to say, too, that I never met any other female friend I ever had who, number one, had zero judgmentalism. You were so fair and lovely to me and everybody. But you also were, you know, no one ever saw you coming. And I'll tell you why. Because you were so beautiful and so fashionable that your big and active intelligence and brain sort of functioned behind a veil. Now, nobody ever expected someone as gorgeous as you to be as bright and amazing as you were. And you were a great problem solver. So I want to go through something that for me, I still, 44 years later, have unbelievable awe-inspiring appreciation of you as a woman. So I'm just going to backdrop this. So, Mick Rock, if you think we were the original bad girls, trust me, he was the original bad boy. He looked bad. He was naughty. He was nighttime. He was... One, one, one person in rock and roll said that the genius and the talent of Mick Rock was he wasn't a photographer. He was one of yeah. them. And I do think, 
I do think that was someone in the Rolling Stones that said that. So, you know, these guys, not only is Mick Rock a bad boy, but he's also living in a very permissive world where everything is okay to do and everything is possible because you're so elevated and you're an artist. And um, so he wasn't the easiest guy to live with. So you had just about had enough but that didn't mean you didn't want him. It just meant there had to be a curb to bad behavior. So what would most women do? Sit down and give him a lecture. You know, the one thing guys hate the most. Let's have a talk. No. Patty calls up Club Mad and says, I'd like a job. Uh possibly in the Bahamas. And one thing I can do is design costumes. So Club Med hires Patty for Eleuthera to design costumes for their all their little social events and leaves. And here's a guy who hates daylight, always has big dark shades on, a big scarf wrapped around him, hates sand, hates water. And she forces, she says, okay, if you want me, come and get me. How brilliant are you? And he did, he came and got you. Well, you know what? To do that, you have to be willing to take whatever happens. Yeah. You have to be willing yeah. to, you know, and at that time I just wanted to shake things up and I thought, all right, I'll leave, you know, let's see what, uh, you know, what I'm. Did you leave unannounced? Did he know where you oh, were yeah, going? Yeah. And okay. yeah, you know, I said, I'm leaving. And, uh, uh, and after a few months, he was like, oh, you coming home? But he wrote me poems. He wrote me cards. <laughs> oh, no. He wrote me no. poems. I, I have posted. Didn't know yes, that. yes. And then when then he came, I think it was like the end of August, September. And then by October, I came back home, and we kind of, you know, re. And what year was that? 87, 87. Whoa. Yeah. So you got married to Mick how many times? Three Twice. times or four times? Twice. <laughs> Twice. Once in yes. England. And and once here. I, we got married here 20, 2012. And we got married in England 1997. And did he ever, I don't think, I think if it's in your blood, you're always that way, like you and I, you know, looking back on everything, I cackle at it, I delight at it, I, I, I do honestly wonder how we survived a few situations, but he always remained the renegade, the outlaw, the bad boy. And you know, the one thing that I truly, I so relate to with both of you is leading the artist's life and 
the life of really following your heart. If I had to give one sentence or one thought pattern that summed up why I've treasured my friendship with you for 44 years, I would say you were so bold and you knew from the minute you met him that was your man and you followed your heart and you did some very brave things, some very crazy things like going to Eleuthera, but you got your man and you lived your dream life. I lived out my life in a different mm -hmm, way, mm -hmm. but if I had to say what I admire the most out of you, besides your beauty and your kindness and how much fun you are, I would say it was you had a, such an innate talent for knowing the life you wanted to live. And the life you wanted to live was so far off the beaten path. You know, the one thing um, I learned, we went at Patty and I went out to lunch last week. It's kind of a pre-birthday thing for me that you and I both had to leave our families to live the life we wanted. Oh, yes. Yeah. To yeah. live. Yeah. I did not know that about you. You knew that about me that I couldn't be a designer. I couldn't come to New York and live. I couldn't, I couldn't do what I needed to do because my career for me was my love of fashion and designing was everything. But I had to make, I had to make hard choice fashion or family. And I was so obsessed with fashion. That's what I had to choose. But for you, I was amazed to learn that you could not take Mick home to your family. You rather had to leave your family for a while so you could have Mick. Yeah. But again, it was organic. It was those things are never planned, yeah. are they? It's just. Or wanted yeah. necessarily. Yeah. And, you know, uh, all kidding aside, you and I were bad girls, but bad, you know, yeah. and, and the, these things that you say to, about me are very nice, but Diane, you were a partier and you showed up at seven 30 to work every day. Yeah. You were a hard yeah. worker. Like you say, you talk about my focus. Your focus was just amazing. Look what you've done with your life. And you know, um, um, I told you recently that I did this, I tried to do this uh, exercise, and it asked me to list uh, 50 people that, you know, influenced my life. And I we laughed about it. And I said, I could only come up with 12. But you were right in there with someone who wow. always just, you always kept your eyes on the prize. You always kept your integrity <laughs> considering like if anyone knows working in the garment center and working in fashion, There's not you much. know, keeping yeah. your integrity is really huge. So you know, you've got amazing stuff to be proud of. And, and, and you are also one of the most generous people I've met in my life with your stories, uh, with your, 
you know, how you try to help people, how you try to connect. I just think it's great, Diane. You know, I, 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 I think um, it was interesting, but you can only have a friend up close to half a century if there's a, a complete alignment. And it's amazing every time we get together, I'm always reminded and reminded again of why we stuck together for so many years, had gaps in between. Well, you had a child, a gorgeous child, Natalie, which to me was like, I, my mind was blown that you could take a wild man like Mick Rock and domesticate him to the point where there was a family yeah. life. Oh my God. I That was just like, this woman is so talented at living life. Whoa. So yeah, in many ways, I was a drill sergeant in my own life. I, I would say that above and beyond everything, um, two things. Number one was I was born to design and then I found additional skills like communication along the way being on TV. And the second thing is I was born as a Leo to have a good time. And above all, it, laughter and being That's, able to look back and cackle yes. about all the situations yes. we were in that at the time were so berserk and, and scary and actually are part of a world that doesn't even exist today, yeah. a world of glamour and, and you were not even self-conscious about it. That was, hey, you just go to Studio 54 every night. What else do you do with your nights? You know, and while the rest of the world and, and a lot of middle America was really following a very straight line that had been set in the 1950s of, of you graduate from high school, maybe you go to a couple of years of college, but that's you, as a woman, you get married mm -hmm. and you have children and that's the life you lead. Boy, we're way off on another path. Oh my God. And here we are, a testament to partying hardy and coming back from it all. Here we are today. Yeah. Still working. Still standing. Yeah. Still, still working. Yep. Yeah. Well, my friend, that was a lovely walk down memory lane. I, I hope everyone in the audience enjoyed it because I know we did. We did. And bravo to you. Thank you, sweetheart. Bravo to you for still being so wonderful. And, you know, if you want to stay young, you have to laugh. You have to. Totally. You have to stay with the fun people and laugh and, you know. Yeah, and you know, that is why I titled my book, my second book, and my podcast, Too Young to Be Old. I love it. Because you and I, Patty, will always be too young to be old. Love you, Diane. Hi. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, 
leave us a rating or a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.